Time to Travel with Karen Key. And a very good evening to you and welcome to this week's edition of Time to Travel. On the show this evening, I'll be chatting with Michelle Turon, chef de cuisine at Pionier à la Motte restaurant, about Cape Wineland's cuisine. Sugan Pillay, commercial director of Tebe Reed Exhibitions, will be on the line, and he'll be telling us about the upcoming sports and events tourism exchange. And then Anil Portgitter will be in studio, and you may remember she's a food and travel blogger. You can find her on her blog, Life is a Zoo Biscuit. Well, she went off to Stellenbosch during their Come Sit, Stay and Savor event, and she took her mom Babs with her. Now, Babs, who always has her perm in place, has become quite the celebrity and now even has her own fan club. And finally, we're off to the Yosemite National Park and Sonoma in the United States with Frankie Black, assistant editor of Travel Ideas magazine. And just like my law report and health matters programs, there's now a short list of available documents for time to travel. You can find them on Facebook. Just go to travel on SAFM. If you'd like any of them, post a message there. But please do remember to include your email address so I can send them to you. Well, that's the lineup for this evening. I do hope you'll stay with me and enjoy the show here on SAFM. Time to travel with Karen Key. Well, the Cape Winelands from the Constantia Valley to Stellenbosch, Franschhoek, Paul, Wellington, Worcester and Tilbach hold the combined history of many different nationalities who over the centuries travelled to, to this most southern part of Africa to start a new life. Well, as they adapted the recipes of their homeland to new surroundings and ingredients and shared their culinary skills with one another, a new cuisine was born. The recently published book Cape Wineland's Cuisine is the result of a culinary collaboration unique to this region. And to tell us more, I'm joined this evening by Michelle Turon, chef de cuisine at the Pionier à la Motte restaurant. Michelle, good evening. Welcome to the show. Hi, Karen. Lovely to be here with you tonight. Well, I have to start off by just telling you that this book is seriously one of the best things I've seen in a long time. I was up at all hours last night because I couldn't put the thing down. It's almost like a storybook. Oh, I'm very glad to hear that. Um, we actually also see our heritage and the way we cook and the way we eat is a story that we also love to tell. So just let's start off with the book. Whose idea was it just to do this? Um, well, the the owner of the estate, uh, Mrs. Hanneli Rupert Kuchenberg, and our CEO, Hein Kuchenberg, obviously travel a lot, and um, they are very passionate about um, our heritage and our food. And when you go overseas, um, you always hear about regional cuisine. So they had the wonderful idea in collaboration with Eta van Deerford and Blanc, who did all the research, to um, share our, our heritage and stories of the way we eat and the way um, the people cooked um, when they came to um, South Africa with Jan van Riebeek, um to share those stories and to relive um, all those recipes once again in just a modern way. But looking through some of the, the recipes, I mean, not all of them, but most of them, have a little sort of history before you get to actually reading about the recipe itself. But some of those recipes are really, really old. And, I mean, you found them in books that date back to goodness knows when. Yes, that's that's very true. I think um, one of the recipes um, we did look at was um, the, the chicken with the green sauce, for yes, instance. Yes, um, <laughs> The man that, that, that um, had that recipe was Thomas van der Noort. And that was um, in the time when just one of the, the first recipe books were published. So you're looking way back in the centuries. And it was quite difficult to take those recipes and then modernize them. But, it, but it's also an exciting journey to do that and to share that with, with South Africans and, 
um, internationally with, with people all over the world. I mean, that, that comes from, gosh, I mean, that is one of the oldest recipes in the book. And it's, it's not something that you would think of, you know, chicken with green sauce. It's not, it doesn't sound terribly appetizing at the best of times. <laughs> But it is actually no, quite amazing. I, I mean, that that I think I'm is. looking here. It was inspired by Thomas van der Noort's recipe in 1510. I mean, that, that, exactly. that's like a long time ago. It's, it's, a it's, it's, it's a way. It's a way back. And I think with, if, if you go to the original recipes and you read some of them, it's almost you, you, like you can't understand them. And they don't talk about measurements uh, like our modern chefs uh, know today. 15 milliliters of that or 10 grams of this, we literally had to play around with the recipes and, and make them um, so that us at home can use them and people at home can use them and other chefs can, can share in the recipe and also modernize it a bit to, to what they want to do with it. Well, just, just reading about this one, I mean, this chicken with green sauce, for example, it says here the basis of Fundernote's sauce is chicken stock flavored with ground ginger, cloves, and I love this, grains of paradise. It's apparently yes, an African which, spice. I mean, what did you substitute? For, was that the cardamom? Because apparently, you, that's that's the cardamom. Yes, that's the cardamom. So it gives it, it gives it a very um, distinct flavour. So you you basically um, use quite a bit of cardamom to get that flavour with it. And then um, we will go into our, our herb garden. We have tunnels. We're very blessed to have tunnels on the farm as well. We, we um, our farmers grow all our herbs and vegetables and everything. And we'll get all the green herbs. A lot of um, Italian parsley, um, a lot of sorrel as well, and you'll make a lovely sauce. It's, it's got a very distinct uh, cardamom flavor, which works extremely well with um, with chicken. And um, I actually have a chicken dish on the menu today, which has um, rose and pistachio with it, and it's an absolutely beautiful dish combined with that uh, sauce. The thing about this part of the world is that it, it really is a melting pot of nationalities and people and indigenous people. I mean, it's just there's so much in the way of history down here. And I'm sure all those sort of culinary sort of experiences are all sort of melded together. Exactly. How lucky are we chefs to be a part of oh, that, absolutely. I, I reckon. Um, you can never get bored. There's always something to scratch out and to work with and to do something new with. So. I say fantastic. Um, there's so much to work with. Um, there's so many people you can talk to. Um, there's so many people that know about the indigenous um, produce that we use. And they share that information with us that we can do great dishes with. So I'm, I'm very excited about our heritage and the fact that we do have such a great mixture. You can go anywhere in the world. I went to the Netherlands earlier and you walk into those Michelin star kitchens and you see the spices they use, you see the, the, the techniques they use, and it's very familiar um, to what we do as South Africans. So that's one of the, the things you can look at. It's, it's not just local, it's international as well that you pull through all those kinds of things. How did you decide what went into this book, uh, Michelle? Because it's a big book. I mean, there's a lot of recipes in here. And the photographs, I must tell you, I, I did not appreciate the photographs because every time I turned the page, I wanted to go and make something or eat something. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's exactly what you want when you do a recipe book, I reckon, because if the photos are as great as that, then you want to go and actually make it and eat it. Well, yeah, so I, that's very exciting. Yeah, but how did you um, decide what to put in here? Because I mean, there must have been so much more. I must I must be honest with you. Um, Eta van Deventer is a branch, absolutely amazing woman. With, I tell you what, the information that lady has in her head is absolutely mind-boggling and to have her at our disposal every single day to help us with with all this information she actually studied 
everything and there's so much more i think we, we, we need to publish yes. three more books Absolutely. with all the, the other recipes but i think you know you can only put so much in and then she shared all these recipes with us and obviously um if you look at the book and you see all these recipes we have the lovely wines as well mm. um that you have with these things and um you had to start somewhere, you had to start cooking, and then we, you, you took the, 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 the most interesting ones that you could find so far and then put it into the book. And um, I think Hita did an absolutely wonderful job. And our chef at that stage who was lucky enough to, did, to do all the uh, test cooking and testing out of the recipes had such fun doing that. I was a little bit upset, <clears throat> I must tell you, to discover that Babuti isn't really, we didn't actually invent that. And I thought that was our thing. But apparently the oldest known Babuti originated with somebody called, was it Apicius, who cooked for the wealthy during the reign of the Roman Empire, for goodness sake. Look, at the end of the day, that's, that's definitely true, uh, yes, um, it was. And I think um, at the end of the day, when, when Jan van Rue came and every, all the people came with him and the gardens were established and everything came, I think everybody put their own twist on the way they were cooking, the spices they were using, and I think every single dish that we do today in South Africa now is a, is a, it's a South African dish. In, in, in the winelands, we do wineland food. Um, so we, we've gone and we've made it our own. So I would say it's, it's all dishes that we've made our own now and that we can be proud of and, and build the, upon. The other thing I found actually quite fascinating was something called, is it Oblikis? Oblikis? Oblikis. Oblikis. Okay. Yes, yes. Now, I mean, that was a Dutch thing that that pitched up here. Yes, exactly. That's um, the Dutch show that uh, we all know is very fond of the, the biscuits or cookies. And the, the easiest way to explain an obliki is almost, if you know, if you know a brandy snap. Yes. So the Dutch had, the, had these big irons, which they're called obliki irons. And, and we were actually lucky enough that Heta found an obliki iron that she brought into the kitchen when we were doing all the recipe development. And we tried to make the obliques in the old-fashioned way like the Dutch used to make them with this extremely heavy and huge obliqui pan that we had to stick into the wood oven. And it usually had these absolutely amazing fine little patterns on it. So you used to get a thing that looked like um, a brandy snap, but flat with a very fine pattern on it. But I, I tell you what, I think the, the ladies who used to make the obliques with those heavy pans um, that they cut out for them in those days. <laughs> and I mean, it, it, it goes across the board. I mean, the things were they're called macrolo or macaroons, which were brought, brought yes. here by the French Huguenots. And you know that that is that was recipes for that was found in old Cape cookbooks. So it's been around exactly. for a long time. Yeah, the thing is, those those were one of the uh, biscuit type of things that they used to make. Um, because in those days, they didn't have things like baking powder and leaving agents like we um, do today. So they had to rely on egg whites and sometimes not flour, but ground nuts. So that's the basis of uh, macaroons or the makul that we call it today. Um, egg whites, nuts, and the egg whites is actually the leavening agent that makes it rise. And my, my, the one thing I have to ask you about, because this is something my grandmother just absolutely loved, was vatablomikis. And that's very much a cape thing. Yes. It's actually, it's actually, for those who aren't quite sure what this is, it's actually Cape Pond Weed, would you believe? And you've got a wonderful recipe in here for Vata Blomaki and Sorrel Soup. And that's also something that's been around forever and a day. Exactly. I think um, most people would be um, 
very familiar with uh, water bromiki brandy, which mm. used to have lamb in it. Yes. Because in 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 what I'm what I grew up with was knowing that water bromiki needs something fatty, but it also needs something sour. And we were used we were taught and used to cooking it with uh, lemon. And we decided, and also a big thing, you know, vegetarians um, are out there. We all like vegetarian food. It's a, it's a big trend um, these days. And we decided, why not do um, a, a soup that you can do with a vegetable stock, or you can use a meat stock or a chicken stock if you would want. But then instead of adding just lemon, why not make it with soul for that lovely um, uh, sour taste that actually brings out the best flavors of the water bromiki. Well, I must say this book, as I said, is called Cape Wineland's Cuisine and it's published by Human and Rousseau and it's one of those things, Christmas is nearly there. Honestly, if you can't think what you'd like for Christmas, ask for this because this honestly will keep you entertained for hours. You'll also, your family will be delighted because you'll want to go and cook everything um, immediately because the pictures are enough to make you go to the kitchen. And it's, it's a wonderful sort of history of, and you know, if you listen to my show often enough, you know that anything to do with history and I'm right there. And this is a different, slightly different side to the history. It's all about the food and about the people that came here and what they've done. And they've really, Michelle, they've literally, what we eat today is pretty much thanks to all of these people that pitched up all those years ago. Exactly. Isn't it exciting? <laughs> it, it, it is rather. And, and you wonder, I mean, you're in the kitchen every day doing this. Huh? What a fabulous job you must have. Fun, fun, fun. I tell you what. <laughs> it's actually not fair, you know. It's really not fair that people like you have jobs like that. You know. Oh, it's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> but this book, I mean, as you said, it was a, a, a collaboration. There's so many people that were, by all, all accounts, involved yes. with it from the beginning to where it is now. And it was a very worthwhile exercise. Were you happy with the outcome of it? Very happy, very happy. I think it's beautiful. I'm very, very proud to have been a part of it and to, to cook all the recipes and to try it out. I think it was such <sighs> fun. It, it, it makes you feel like a kid again. <laughs> all the things that you grew up with, but just modernized, I want to say, and, and, and to learn. Because, I mean, I think a lot of the times we um, don't know these stories and what food and, and wine and about, about uh, else then talking and spending time and spending time together and telling stories. So I think it's very great. And where it all came from, where it all began and how it's it's now being converted effectively so that we can use it today because we wouldn't, you know, we're not as trained as you guys. We wouldn't have been able to do the conversions if we'd found great, 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 great granny's cookbook. We would have been totally stuck. So thank you very much (laughs) for doing this. And so now we can do this because you've made it easier for us. And when I was looking through them, I thought, oh gosh, this is going to be so complicated. But they actually, I thought I can even cook some of these things. No, it's amazing. It's very, very easy. And it's also ingredients that's so easy to Mm. come by as well. So it's not hard. That, that's the nice thing about it because often you read a recipe and it's everything from overseas and then you can't find it and it's a nightmare and then you substitute something else and it doesn't work and this is local. Everything is local. So that is the best Which part is, of this. Yes, and that's, that's what I, I think it needs to be um, obtainable for everybody to make something out of the book. Um, and also because you want to, you want to celebrate our food and, and the food that we like to make and that comes from our heritage. So it must be able, you must be able to do it easily and have fun while doing it. Well, Michelle, congratulations to you and the team. It's a fabulous book and uh, I'm sure will be on lots of people's uh, Christmas wish list this year. Definitely think it's something that needs to be there. But thank you so much for your time and for telling us about this wonderful adventure you've had with food. 
Thank you so much. And thanks to you. It was lovely chatting to you. Have a good evening. Thanks, you too. Michelle Turan is chef de cuisine at the Pioneer à la Motte restaurant. And the book is titled Cape Wineland's Cuisine. And it's published by Human and Rousseau. It's available at all good bookstores. And for more information on La Motte, you can take a look at the website. It's La Motte, La and then hyphen, Motte, L-A hyphen, M-O-T-T-E dot com. Or you can call them on 021-876-8000. Time to travel with Karen Key. The fourth annual Sports and Events Tourism Exchange Conference and Exhibition will be taking place at the Durban International Convention Centre from the 29th to the 30th of October. And to tell us more, I'm joined now by Sugan Pillay, Commercial Director of Tebe Reed Exhibitions. Sugan, good evening. Welcome to the show. Good evening, Karen, and thanks for having me. Well, it's nearly that time again, and it's you're probably getting really hectic now because it seems like it's going to be quite a massive event. Yeah, look, you know, it's going on for four years now, as you're saying, and, you know, every year the event gets uh, better and better. Uh, I think this year we all are looking forward to uh, a very sort of uh, intensive debate about uh, Durban's bid uh, for the Commonwealth Games in 2022. That's going to be the focus of this year's conference, but we have a number of other international experts from around the world that's going to be sharing their knowledge and uh, information with delegates that are attending this year's conference again. What sort of impact does a show like this have on the business events sector? Well, you know, I mean, all these events that we're talking about uh, are major international events that uh, cuts across the sports, uh, the the tourism and the event sectors. And, you know, if you look at uh, some of the major uh, business type of events within the sports industry, we've hosted a number of them, uh, the, the biggest one being the 2011 IOC Congress. Uh, so, you know, we've had experience hosting a number of international sports meetings in South Africa, uh, not forgetting uh, the FIFA World Cup and the many congresses that uh, FIFA held in South Africa. So a lot of these international sports events and these federations have uh, meetings attached to the events, and, and therefore uh, the crossover between the sports tourism industry and the events uh, industry is, is very strong. Do you think that sports events actually belong in the business events sector, though? Yeah, look, I mean, I think, you know, if, as I said, you know, there's a lot of cross-pollination between both the sectors. I mean, sports is, is obviously one of the fastest-growing uh, uh, sectors globally. Uh, we know now that uh, over 400 billion euros is generated through uh, the sports industry, uh, and this is globally. And, and South Africa has, has, has been enjoying, uh, you know, quite a significant share. However, we do believe that South Africa could uh, actually get more of the market share within the sports industry. Uh, and it's events like this, the seed platform that we've created, is really aimed at promoting South Africa as an events destination. So over and above the conference, you know, we bring in a number of international buyers that have an interest in bringing the events to South Africa, and we match them with, with product in South Africa, with uh, host cities in South Africa, and, and the whole idea is for them to get a sense as to what we have to offer as a country. And we know now that over the last uh, four years, well, over the last three years, we've brought in over 120 international buyers. And quite a significant portion of them have an interest in bringing their events into South Africa. Um, So this platform is working. And and I think that for those people that have been involved over the last three years, uh, you know, there's been some very positive feedback about how successful this platform has been in, in bringing events into the country. You know, so when people listen to something like this, they think, well, this is really not, not something that would interest me at all. But then you look at it on, you know, 
out the box there. It affects things like car rental companies, travel agencies, accommodation. I mean, it's across the board. So it's not something that you, as possibly somebody who's on the fringes of tourism in this country, will think, well, this isn't really something that would, you know, I would be able to get involved with. But you'd be surprised. Yeah, look, you know, the whole idea of, of, of this event was to bring the sports, the events, and the tourism industry, the hospitality industry under one roof. This has never been done before, not just in South Africa, but globally. So this is the first event of its kind that brings both the sectors together. And the reason why we've done that is because our experience through the World Cup has taught us that both the sectors are, have to work very closely together to leverage off each other. And when both sectors work together, you know, it's a win-win situation for both the sports and the events industry. So if you're in the hospitality industry, you know, this is actually the place to be because this is who you're networking with in the sports industry. You know, we find that over the years, a lot of our national sports federations that are at this event, they really don't have an understanding as to how the hospitality sector works and vice versa. So this is really an attempt of getting both sectors to understand how they actually operate uh, with each other and, and the benefits that they can enjoy by actually working together. So, so I think if you're an event organizer out there, I mean, this is really the conference itself. You know, we've got a session that deals with sponsorship trends, and we've got, uh, you know, experts from NetBank, uh, from Salsi, from SABC that's going to be sharing their knowledge. So if you are an entrepreneur out there within the industry and you want to know how do I access sponsorships, well, you know, this discussion is really going to help you to understand how sponsors think, how sponsors think, where it is that they invest their money, and what kind of return are they looking for. Uh, and we have a number of other sessions as well that will assist uh, uh, various organizations within the events tourism sector. I mean, this year we've invited, uh, you know, representatives from both uh, the Glasgow uh, Commonwealth Association as well as the Melbourne Commonwealth Association. And both these uh, representatives are going to share their, their experience and their knowledge with us. Uh, so that, you know, when it comes to Durban's bid for the Commonwealth Games, we are informed through other destinations as to, as to how successful they were and what is it that we should and shouldn't be doing in bidding for that event. Now, if people want to attend or if they want to exhibit, is it too late now? No, no, absolutely not. You can go to our website, uh, sportsandevents.co.za, and you could register online. We, we're still taking uh, registrations. Obviously, if you still want to exhibit, uh, you can still go through that process. Uh, but, but yeah, you know, as we get closer to the event, uh, you know, the, the demand is becoming greater. And, and so the event has been growing year on year. So, so yeah, I mean, I think for people that, that are not part of this event, it, it really is a missed opportunity. Uh, you know, so I would encourage as many people to, to try and register and participate as possible. What sort of support does something like this get from further up Africa, other African countries, for example, or the BRICS countries even? Well, you know, finally should ask that. I mean, one of the sessions that we're going to be uh, dealing with at this year's conference as compared to previous years is the whole question around BRICS and, and how does the BRICS Forum deal with not just tourism but with sports tourism as well. So we've got uh, quite a few experts in this area. You know, we've obviously got someone from government, from the Department of International Relations that deals with the BRICS Forum who's going to be at the, on the panel session. We've got Professor Camilla Swart from... CPUT in Cape Town, uh, who's done a lot of research in this area, and she's going to be facilitating this discussion. We have a representative from the African Sports Management Association who's going to talk about it from an African perspective and what does BRICS mean uh, for the continent and how does the continent contribute towards sports tourism growth in, 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 in Africa. So I think you know, this is an important issue because we know that the BRICS Forum is an important forum for emerging economies. And, and sports is one of the fastest-growing uh, industries globally. 
So how does the BRICS Forum actually support sports tourism amongst the BRICS countries, and what can we learn from each other? So that that should be a really interesting uh, discussion, and we're hoping that coming out of that discussion will be a framework uh, that will guide the discussions at BRICS around the importance of sports tourism and, and, and the role that BRICS countries should play in supporting each other to ensure that we grow sports tourism in these countries. Gosh, Sugan, it sounds like you've actually thought of everything. So, <laughs> you know, I don't think you've missed a, a spot there. And for those listening who, who maybe thought this wasn't for them and now suddenly think, oh my goodness, I should be there. Uh, it's happening, as I said, the 29th to the 30th at the Durban International Convention Centre. And there are still places available if you'd like to attend or if you'd like to exhibit. I'll give out the website address again in a moment. And they just register on there, Sugan, and just yes. fill in all the details there. Yes, yes. You know, the, the, the website is, is pretty self-explanatory. There's a lot of information. There's a conference program there. There's, you know, there's, there's all kinds of information on the website. So I think people should really be visiting that website to find out more about the, the event itself. And if they miss it this year, I'm sure it'll be back next year. But try not to miss it this year. It sounds like it's going to be an amazing <laughs> event. I wish you much success with it. It sounds incredible. And I'm sure we'll chat again next year when you do it again. Yeah, no, thanks. Thanks for having me. Thanks. And thanks for all your support. Pleasure. Thanks for the time. Yeah, Good thanks. night to you. Sugan Pillay is Commercial Director of Tabby Reed Exhibitions. And for more information, if you'd like to attend or if you'd like to exhibit, you can take a look at the website. It's sportsandevents.co.za and it's called... Well, it's the fourth annual Sports and Events Tourism Exchange Conference and Exhibition. It's taking place at the Durban International Convention Centre from the 29th to the 30th of October. Time to travel with Karen Key. Well, Anel Portget is back in studio with me this evening. And you might remember the last time she was here, she was talking about all those fabulous markets and had us all drooling over Turkish pesto, of all things. And, um, well, she's now been spending some time in Stellenbosch, but it's got a bit of a twist. She took her 83-year-old mother, Babs, with her. And Babs, by all accounts, is an absolute character who can't go anywhere without the perm. And um, Anel took Babs off and they went to – Stellenbosch was doing this thing called Come, Sit, Stay and Savor Stellenbosch. And they went to experience that. Anil, good evening. Welcome back to the show. Thank you, Corin. It's wonderful to be back. So you and Babs, once you got the perm in place, went <laughs> off to Stellenbosch. <laughs> yes. And it was, must have been quite an eye-opener for dear old Babs. Exactly. You know, she's 83 years old and she's got like a pension. A pension. She doesn't go to experience these things. And um, yeah, it was fun for her. And she, she had her hair perm and she took her little red, uh, sorry, her yellow and blue tablets also as yeah, well. And, with, and, and the, the suitcases were quite something. You said mm. that the rep would actually, uh, a pharmacy <laughs> Or rep or whatever would be quite quite envious of what was in that little vanity you know, the bag vanity of hers. Yes. She's got pellicles. She's she's got like little tablets for the morning, for lunch, for supper. You know? <laughs> <laughs> they were all packed. Even I was jealous. Now, and the electric blanket went with yeah. it, apparently, and the pillows and Bab was packing for every eventuality. And it was only one night, Gorin. Oh, it was only one night. <laughs> well, Babs was prepared. She was really prepared. <laughs> so where did you go? Where did you head off first? Oh, with Babs? it was fantastic. We first. Went to Schoen de Company. I think that's or Schoen de Company. It's like a little coffee shop inside Stellenbosch. But they've got lovely old goodies and they've got homemade butters and real coffees. And there you also bump into all the real chefs of, of Stellenbosch. So I bumped into Bertus Basson. He is like the ultimate Prime Master judge and he's also got his Overture uh, award winning restaurant there. And it's just a lovely place to have coffee. And Babs were really excited, you know, Corin. They had tea bags made yes. out of real material. You took a photograph for her friend. Yes. Yes. Babs wanted to find. I, I, I've never even seen real material, like a linen lappy. What, what is it? A linen a little, little cloth thing. Little cloth. 
you wash them out and reuse them? What I don't do you do with them? But it's beautiful. It is just now I will hang it up in my house somewhere. Oh, okay. Or, or I think I'll open it up and put some herbs in or something. But it's just lovely. I still want to find out where we can find that. It's stunning. Okay, so you went off there first, yeah. okay, and you had tea. And then we went for a stroll, and Babs was really, really impressed with the Stellenbosch people because every time that she wanted to go over the road, they stopped for her. Oh, they really? didn't like, rush like <laughs> the taxis. <laughs> Afterwards, I said, Mom, what is the best thing about Stellenbosch? She says, they stopped for me. Then we went to the Village Museum. Oh, what? I love those. I went, I've spent some time there, but it's like four different places, and it can take you literally the whole day. Corinne, it is absolutely amazing. And you know that I love food and everything around food, so for me, it was amazing just to see how the kitchens develop. And I'm not even talking about the, 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 the other furniture in the house. But from the one house, say from 1690 through to 1800, where there was nothing in the kitchen, there was just like a, literally a fireplace, where uh, in the late 1800s, like 1870, there was actually a stove, a coal stove. And just to see those developments is absolutely phenomenal. They're beautifully curated. Beautifully curated. And each house has got somebody telling you what's going on and about the about the house and the history of the house. And it is just a must-do in Stellenbosch. And they dressed a, in period costume when I was there in those houses yes, as well. So it's very in, authentic. Very authentic. And the house that I really, really loved the most, I said to my mom, I think perhaps I was, I, I, like, if I had to go back in time, I would like to live there. It's like the 1870s house. It is colourful, Karen. You know, um, 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 wallpaper. You have never seen something like that. The colours of the wallpaper, it is just under green and maroon. They were not shy. They were creative people. You know, you think they were old-fashioned, but they were really creative. No, no, I've spent some time in those museums in Stellenbosch, and I could actually go back and keep, because every time you go back, you see something different. Yeah. They've also got the gardens as yes. well that's curated yes. in that period. Mm. Yeah. Did you see yes, that? Yes, I did. Amazing. It is incredible. It's really well worth a visit yeah. to Stellenbosch just yeah. to go and see just those. Just to go and see. And the thing is, for the real family, it's for the children educational. It was a complete eye-opener for me. And then for older people like Babs, it is phenomenal. She stood there with like an old milk tart pan. You can just see she was just so happy. Happy and in her place. She just loved it. But Babs liked lunch. She went off for a braai. Where was it? Yes, she went to Middleburg. Yes. Middle Middleflame. Middle Can you believe that bra on a wine farm? You yes, know what I'm saying? Do. That it's interesting. Because normally at wine farms these days you always get these fancy restaurants. You just see glass and silver. And But this farm is like down to earth. And we had braai broikies. We had chops. We had mealies. And they braai outside for you. And they bring it in. And they serve it in these little tin, beautiful tin holders. They're old-fashioned tin holders and then afterwards they serve you also coffee out of a, a, a tin um, kettle outside and you mm. actually sit out with your tin cup and it was really refreshing and nice. The food was delicious. Was this on the weekend or was this only especially for this stand? Say, no, 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 they, or they do it regularly. They do it regularly. I think that is their meal is braai. They specialize in braai and wine and I find it refreshing and for sure their wines, the red wines go brilliantly with the braai. This is middle flair. Yeah, middle so flair. If you wanted yeah. to go have a look there on the yeah. internet you can yeah. find them there. And then we also visited Oldenburg, a beautiful, beautiful wine estate. I've never heard about this place. I, I never knew about this place. It is in the Banghoek Valley. I don't know what is the English word for that. Um, scared Corner Valley. <laughs> Could be that. Banghoek Bang Valley. Yeah. And it's just got the most spectacular views. It's there where Babs actually spitted out all the wine. Yes, because Babs doesn't like to spit. Because I, I, I actually 100% agree with Babs. I honestly don't see the point of spitting out good wine. I really don't. Yeah. You know, the spit thing, I, no. 
Yeah, yeah. But Babs discovered how to spit. But yeah. before we get to that, didn't you pop into JC LaRue somewhere off yes. the middle flank? Yes, we also popped into JC LaRue, um, and there we discovered, Babs discovered all their champagnes. Gosh. Yes. <laughs> and you had, what is it, meringue and... Uh, yeah, what an interesting, you know, yeah, it's like meringue pairing with champagne. It is really delicious. I found it strange to do sweet. It's very sweet. It's yeah. because it's like really sweet. Did you have with, dry champagne, a brute? Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. then that so might make sense. They had okay. a whole range with it. But perhaps you know that all the people love the sweet champagne. Mm. They love that sweet champagne. The do whatever it is. Yeah, yes. yeah. Mm. So that was lovely. The evening we then spent at a lovely place, Kleiner Salsa, and I must say they had underfloor heating and something Babs are not used to. So she loved that. <laughs> she was running around with her bare feet like little girl. So needless to say that the, the electrical blanket stayed put in the suitcase for that evening. So, yeah, it was lovely. And their cupboards apparently are all perfect. <laughs> Babs scratch me. <laughs> it's just one of the things that she does. She, When she gets to any place, she starts scratching in the cupboards and she just opens everything and she wants to see what's inside there. Well, <laughs> why not, you know? Why not? Why not? <laughs> yeah, so that was lovely. But you had a little sleep then. Yeah, we had And a, what about the perm? The perm got a bit oh, flat at yeah. some point. <laughs> the perm got a bit flat. We had lots of wine at that stage already. Oh, so you needed the sleep. We needed okay. Lissy Babs as well. She really needed to sleep. And I think she had a little bit of a white tablet with a glass of water before she went to bed. And okay. she had an afternoon nap. And then afterwards, we went out again. And we had a beautiful supper at Terroir. Also award-winning chef there. I think he's got his own um, television show. Yes, there is. Yes, there is. Yeah, yes. Mm. yeah, yeah. And we had a lovely supper there. But and, and I had a lovely meal there. But Babs is quite outspoken. And she wasn't impressed with the lamb. Yes, she said it was a bit foul. It was a bit, <laughs> a bit thin or something. It was, wasn't... It wasn't to her liking. No, I'm but sure it's absolutely fabulous. It is it's fabulous. Not, not Babs. It but you don't, you don't um, disagree with the 83-year-old's palate. Oh, palate. right. Oh, you know sorry. what I'm yes, saying? Okay. You know, right. if I'm 83-year-old and I say it's bland, then... Um, I don't want anybody to tell me it's not. To, okay. You know. All right. Okay. So I just said yes, more. <laughs> <laughs> but generally, if we went, we would enjoy it. We would love it. Okay. No, you, you no. enjoyed it. I loved it. I what loved did you have the... a terroir though? Because I mean, their, their menu is actually quite amazing. Yeah, I had a fish, and I think I had a risotto, a seafood mm. risotto. Oh, nice. Was absolutely divine. I love, I love their food, and their service is probably one of the best in the country. They've got brilliant service there. Those guys, the wine guy, what do you call sommelier? The waitresses, they just know exactly what they're doing. Brilliant, brilliant. And then was the next morning that you went to Oldenburg, actually, after breakfast? Yes, we went to Oldenburg, and there the spitting started. Yeah, it was the next morning, 100% right. I got a bit confused here. We went to Oldenburg with headaches. Oh, right, from all the... (laughs) Previous tastings, days. yes, mm, tastings, mm. and then at um, Oldenburg, it, oh, it's a beautiful view. As I said, and Mom was just spitting away. And the funny thing is, afterwards, when I asked them, so Mom, why did you spit out all the wine? And she says she doesn't want to get tipsy of wine she doesn't even like. <laughs> <laughs> so perhaps isn't a fan of red wine, apparently. No, I don't think she's actually acquired the taste yet because I think red wine is especially. Heavy red wine. You need to know about the red wine. So you have to keep taking her off to the <laughs> wine farms in to get her palate right. It's getting there. I must be honest with you. It's getting there. And then my really my highlight of the stay was our lunch we had at 
gosh, what's it? Takara. Takara. Richard wow, Carsten's wow, restaurant, yes. Wow, wow. Look like that man is a genius. His food well, is even Babs said that he makes magic with food. She just fell in love with this guy with all with his food, his way of doing. He gave us like cob cheeks with um, gooseberries, and then he made the most beautiful mushroom, um, a vegetarian dish. And then look at this. I've got a picture here for you about this. She always brings pictures and makes me hungry. <laughs> what am I, I looking to. at now? This is a this is a guava dessert, mm. but it's just done. What in, is this? This is like a sweet wafer thing. It looks thing. like a lacy thing on top of the dessert. Yeah, it's like a sweet lacy wafer thing and then another interesting thing was a beetroot um, dessert it's dessert actually, yeah it's beetroot it's actually pieces of beetroot that he that he serves with ice cream and i thought to myself no this will never work never ever it was to die for it was really to die is for. that babs there with richard yeah that's babs with richard perm's looking good here <laughs> perm's looking good <laughs> Um, she was. She even said that Richard's um, bottled water tastes better than other restaurants' bottles. Oh, so he gets special. <laughs> oh, right. Okay. Really special, special, Got special. Got a thing going there with Richard at Takara. <laughs> well, look, she's picked a really good place to enjoy that much. Yes, yes. And then we finished our stay at Umsamis and Vinkles. Mm. I've, even, I've even got a little fridge magnet with Um Sami Savinko on my fridge because mm. I enjoyed it so much I had to get a fridge. All my favorite places I go to, I have to buy a fridge magnet. Yeah. Oh, so, okay. Yeah, so I have a whole selection on the fridge yes. and there's Um Sami Savinko is on the fridge. I just love that spray. Oh, you know, you just walk wonderful. in there and it, there's this nostalgic feeling that it just comes over my body and suddenly I miss my... Oma and my Tani and my mother and I miss my family and I miss my father because there's scarp copper there, sheep's head. I grew up with sheep's head in the free state. And it's all this nostalgic stuff there. It is just spectacular. And it's not just food things. It's it's no. all kinds of implements and things that you might have seen in your yeah. childhood and think, oh, and yes. it's there. And, and it's, it's just the most amazing place. You could actually yeah. spend hours in that place. Yeah. And I would suggest maybe possibly just taking one credit card in there with you because you could actually be using up a few. Yes. It is just the most amazing place. And then they say you can't take pictures, but I always take a skillum pic, you know, like, and you get bookums there and everything. Oh, I love bookums. I got, so I left there with bookums. I had a sheep's head and a curry tribe. That's what yeah, I... you can have the other thing. I'll have the bookums. You can keep the rest of that stuff. You're not making me drool now. I'll look at the pictures of Richard's restaurant. Those things are far yeah. more enticing. So what else did you buy at Umasami Savinko? Now, that is actually all our mom. Oh. My mom bought like a cup, a tin cup as well. So, But another interesting thing I just want to tell you about Salambosh. They've got these statues. That's what they call it, come sit, stay and mm. savor. They've got these statues that they've put up now on the benches. So it's like metal men and strange objects where you can actually go and sit next to them and take a photograph of yourself in oh, the okay. streets. It is absolutely lovely. There you can see Bub sitting yeah, see next there. to like a... So it's all these lovely initiatives that they've got and it's really worth a visit. That's interesting. Very interesting. You're not sitting alone on the bench. You've actually got company. You've actually got company. It's nice photo opportunities, and it's really good marketing from them. You know, Absolutely. You know, everybody take, and every bench has got a different person or a different um, um, artwork that you actually can sit next mm. to it. Yeah. Now, you, you write for the report. You do this thing called Sondagmal in, yeah. in, in report, and you've done some articles about Babs going off to Stellenbosch, yeah. but I like the way Babs gets her own little block in the middle here <laughs> called Babs Abestas. Yeah. Okay, so Babs' favorite things. Yes. Strange 
strangely, Takara Restaurant is top of the list. <laughs> strangely? Strangely. <laughs> and then this, to stay, she likes Kleiner Zelza Lodge. The view, Oldenburg, the, the wine estate, yeah. she liked the view from there. The wine, she liked Middlesfley. Uh, wine and she looked. Oh, there's a, there is a website you can actually look. It's wineroute.co.za and stellenboschtravel.co.za, and uh, you can find out more about where Babs like to go. Mm-hmm. So, is Babs going to be a sort of a permanent fixture or a semi-permanent fixture on some of your travels, Anel? You don't understand how popular she became after this one article. Uh, I had to open uh, uh, her first email at eighty-three oh for her. <laughs> So Babs has a fan club now. She's got a fan club. And because I got so many emails for Babs, and she gets advice about her. Um, in one of my other stories, she had a bit of a cough. So if people are sending her even advice on coughing and all the strange oh stuff. And, okay. and they want to know what tablet she's taking with her, what is the blue tablet, and what is a yellow tablet. So it's very interesting. <laughs> are you having to sort of deal with all the fan mail? I deal with all the fan mail, but I'll go and sit with her. And then we chat through them, and then we answer them together. She doesn't still can't operate a computer. She doesn't mm. touch a computer. But she has a fan mail. Yeah, she's fan <laughs> fan base now. Well, I'm um, um, Babs. Obviously, we, you did some more stuff with Babs, and yeah. uh, we'd have to talk about that as well. So you're gonna have to come back and tell me more about your adventures with Babs. I'll definitely do that. This could become a regular thing. <laughs> Anel and Babs on safari or wherever you're going. So yeah. uh, Anel and Babs did Stellenbosch, and um, you can come and tell us what you did with Babs the next time. Thank Thanks you so, so much, much for joining me. I was chatting there with Anel Portgitter, and if you want to find out more about what she's doing and where she's going, she has a blog. It's lifeisazoobiscuit.com. And if you buy the report newspaper, you can find her there. She does a column for them called Sondag Mal, which is Sunday meal in English. And she writes all about that, lovely photographs. And uh, Babs features quite highly in these articles with the perm, let me tell you, and um, become quite a star in her own right. So uh, we look forward to chatting with Anel not in the not-too-distant future. To the employee who works around the clock, even when it's beer o'clock. That guy that keeps on working, even when the whole office has been quarantined. The one that's never late, even when it's pouring with rain. You know, that guy that never takes a day off, not even to enjoy Christmas lunch. To your most dedicated employee, who would never ever do a sexy table dance at the end of your party. To your hardest working employee. Your TV. Treat him right by paying your business TV license before the end of the month. Yilungilalakwa is a heart-heating program dealing with consumer rights. We get the most informed experts to answer the most difficult questions. From fraud and corruption to protecting the rights of children. From purchasing faulty equipment to finalizing estates. We give you all the information you need to empower yourself. I am Alicia Jali. And I am Sipiwon Zaumbi. Tune into Yelungelulako Fridays between 1.30 and 2.30 in the afternoon only on SABC1. Time to travel with Karen Key. Frankie Black joins us again this evening and she's the assistant editor at Travel Ideas magazine and she's been spending some time in America doing a fabulous road trip with Trafalgar Tours. Now, last time she was here, she, we didn't have enough time to finish her trip, so she's joining us again this evening. Frankie, good evening. Welcome back to the show. Thank you, Karen. So we left you off um, trundling around in San Francisco and Monterey and all those wonderful places. Um, where are we tonight? 
from Carmel by the Sea, which is where that trip, that stretch um, ended, we made our way up to Yosemite National Park, also in California. Um, it took us about a day to get from the coast to Yosemite, which is located in Mariposa ca- County. Um, the nice thing is that the, our travel director, Corey Goff, she actually encouraged us to look beyond um, Yosemite and look at the little surrounding towns because there's a lot of mining and logging towns and it really they really give you a great sense of what the true Americana experience is all about. So um, we actually had dinner on our way to Yos- Yosemite in Mariposa, which is a, a tiny little logging town. And um, we had a true American evening, a barbecue with chicken and apple crumble pie and a cornbread, that kind of thing. And we had these two musicians playing the blues under fig tree. So <laughs> it really was quite a special evening. Well, Yosemite's got a big anniversary this year. Yes, it's actually their 150th anniversary of um, signing the Grant Act that made them a protected area. It was signed by Abram Lincoln. So it's a great time to go to Yosemite because they've got exhibitions and performances, all obviously in celebration. Now, Yosemite, we think it's just the national park itself. But as you said, there's more around it. So if you're going to that particular area, don't just focus on going to the park, although the park is a great destination in itself. For sure. I think the park definitely is obviously the reason why people would go. But there are a lot of other things around the area. There's a zip lining operation in Mariposa, the town where we were. And also old museums, just to give you an idea of what it must have been like in the 1800s when gold miners and um, people in the logging industry and mining industry came to that those areas. So it's very it's a very rich area, and it just gives you a fabulous sense of, you know, small town America. I love the fact you. I think it was that same night you just mentioned you had the apple pie and the the blues under the fig tree. Um, was that the same night that you had those? Re- I love the names of those fabulous local beers that you had. <laughs> it was the same night. Craft beer is mm. not only big in South Africa. Trust me, it's really big in America. So, in this small town, Mariposa, we just walked across the road from this um, where we had this dinner, and there was a little pub called the Prospectors Brewing Company, and it's a tiny little brewery and um, they had all these lagers that you could choose from so I had a boot jack blonde lager (laughs) and some of the other people as you said had the pistol whipped wheat lagers it was great fun and it gives you such a good idea of just what the local life is probably like there just very relaxed very friendly and you know they operate at a completely different pace (laughs) and in the park itself what did you see So Yosemite National Park, it's really one of the most extraordinary places I think you'll ever see. And in terms of its scale, it's a valley that's a kilometre and a half wide, and then it's almost as high as Table Mountain is on all sides. And it's the biggest exposed piece of granite on Earth. It's known for rock climbing and hiking trails, um, but El Capitan is basically the big rock that rock climbers go and take on all around the world and I think it's two two rock climbers what what Mount Everest is to mountaineers so when we went there we pretty much went we went on a valley floor tour in an open air tram which is a great way just to get acquainted with the area so we saw El Capitan and then we went up to a lookout point um, where we could see the entire valley and then there's also Half Dome that's a very famous rock formation on the other side of the valley and then 
We also hiked up to the Yosemite waterfall, which is the highest waterfall in America. It's just from a nature lover's point of view, it's absolute paradise. And they have some rather famous residents in Yosemite. <laughs> they do indeed, black bears. So Did you see any of those? We didn't, but we had a choice um, of two hikes. So some people in our group went on the one hike and others on the other one. And I went on the hike that took us to the waterfall. But some of the other people went on a hike to Mirror Lake. And they actually saw a black bear. So we were very jealous. But, <laughs> but they did. And they're not... Um, as dangerous as grizzlies are. Um, I mean, the ranger was telling us that they really don't do much harm. Um, they have bear-proof boxes in the campsite, for instance. So I think the most harm that they do is steal food from people. And they're just a nice sight thing to see. Yeah, so we were all very, as non-Americans, very intrigued by the bears. Did you stay in the park itself? Yeah, we stayed at the Iwani Inn Hotel, which is one of the most historic hotels in the area. And um, it's known to have hosted people like JFK and Jennifer Aniston and Brad Pitt. So we felt quite grand. <laughs> right. So you spent some time there in Yosemite. And then where did you go? No, I know. I don't even want to ask you this because I know where you went next. That's, I'm very jealous about this. OK, you went to Sonoma. <laughs> yes, we went to Sonoma wine country. Mm, OK, tell me. <laughs> I don't really want to know, but tell me. So um, from Yosemite, it's about... It's a, about a half-day drive to get there. And Sonoma is known to be one of America's top wine-producing areas alongside Napa Valley. So it's really situated right next to Napa Valley. There's 400 wineries in Sonoma. And it's known to be the quainter of the two compared to Napa Valley. Napa Valley is a little bit more sophisticated. There's more volume coming out of there, um, whereas Sonoma is known to be quaint family-style wineries. So it's a great place to go with your family and, you know, go wine tasting. So we started off at the Ravenswood Winery, where we got to blend our own bottle of wine, which was good fun. Mm. So the winemaker met us. We went into a cellar where there was a table set for each person. And um, we had syringes. We had three different wines. And then we got to blend our own, our winning blend, whatever your preference was. So once it was blended, he bottled it for us and we all got to take it home. And I actually drank mine on my 30th birthday, which was really special. Oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> now, Sonoma up until the 1800s was actually under Mexican rule. Is there any sort of evidence of that still there? Yes. Sonoma is a, is a small town that's built around its plaza. And much like Mexican towns, um, yeah, that's pretty much the model that they build towns on. So that's still very much reflected in Sonoma. Everything, the, all the activities in the town center around its plaza. There's a big lawn in the middle of the plaza. And then cafes, restaurants, theaters, um, situated all around the, the plaza. So we went and had lunch at the plaza. And then there's Victorian houses all around as well. So very much built in the fashion of the, of the Mexican town. Where did you stay while you were there? And we stayed at a very, very fancy hotel, the Fairmont Sonoma Mission Inn. It was about two kilometers from the, from the main square, so very convenient. And what else can you do there other than the fabulous wine tasting and the wine country? What else is there to do in Sonoma? Also, lots of focus on food, the same sort of farm-to-table philosophy that's really big there. Um, we actually went to the Ramekins Culinary School for a cooking class on our last day, and it was like something out of MasterChef. They had TV set up, and as we were busy cooking in our teams, we could see ourselves on TV, 
and we made a three-course meal. Um, everyone was assigned to a different station, and then we all shared this beautiful meal to end our time there. Um, so besides cooking and wine, I think also from a you know people who enjoy get, being a bit more adventurous, there's a lot of great mountain biking trails in the area, and also the Pacific coastline is. I think it's just a couple of kilometers from the from the main wine area. So there's fabulous like, coastal hikes you can do and also beautiful forest hikes you can do in the area. Somewhere that you'd like to go back. Absolutely. <laughs> How could you not? <laughs> now, we mentioned in the sh- when we were chatting the last time that if people want to go, there is a Travel Ideas Reader's Offer. And tell me a little bit about that. The, the Reader's Offer... Um, is valid until the 27th of November. If people book their Trafalgar trip before then, they get a 10% discount. Okay, and this is for this California trip that you were so lucky to go off and do. Yes. And if they want any more information on that particular trip, there is, I would imagine, on the Trafalgar.com website, they could have a look. Yes, that's right. Okay, and to find out more about this Travel Ideas Reader offer in the magazine, um, which is coming out? Yeah, it'll be in our upcoming issue, um, which will be September all the way through to December. We're going monthly as of September. Oh, wow. Okay, that's great. So you'll be able to buy it every month, and um, the reader specials will be next to the articles. And if they want to find it, they can't wait for the magazine to come out. They can have a look to see what's been in the previous issues on travelideas.co.za. They'd be able to pick up exactly where you've been, what you've done, and what everyone else has been often gone and done. I mean, there's fabulous stories and lovely ideas for your bucket list. <laughs> on that website so have a look at that and uh, Frankie there's still you actually then after you did this Trafalgar trip you went off and did some stuff on your own I did I went up to Portland and Seattle oh which was a whole about different that? stretch we can't do that this evening Could you, I'm sorry can you come back again and talk to us about that absolutely great well we'll see you soon about that Frankie thank you so much for joining us this evening thanks Karen I was chatting there with Frankie Black and she's the assistant editor at Travel Ideas magazine if you'd like to find out more about what's in the magazine travelideas.co.za and don't forget in the upcoming issues um, they'll have the Travel Ideas reader offer for the California trip with Trafalgar Tours and if you'd like to find out more about Trafalgar Tours it's trafalgar.com Time to Travel with Karen Key and that's it for Time to Travel for this week. I'm Karen Key. Thanks for joining me this evening. And just a reminder, if you need any information about something you've heard tonight, you can find it on Facebook. Just go to Travel on SAFM or email me on travel at safm.co.za. Well, I'll be back with you next Monday evening with the Law Report when I'll be joined in studio by attorney Ishmael Mohammed, and we'll be focusing on property law. So join me then. The Travel Show was brought to you by the travel experts. South African Airways, bringing the world to Africa, taking Africa to the world. Visit flysa.com and book your dream getaway today. South Africa, meet South Africa. Meet 50 million reasons to say hello. Eta, meet Hauset. Salam, meet Molo. One day, meet one day. Meet a nation that loves to play and dance. Saki Saki, meet Pansula, meet the original trance, meet sunshine, and taste our country's finest wine on Africa's favorite airline. There's a story in each seat, because great things happen every time we meet. South Africa, meet South African Airways. We are ready to connect you. South African Airways, bringing the world to Africa, taking Africa to the world. 
Well, it's time for some nighttime music now with Stephen Kirker. But Stephen, I'm not quite sure if I'm supposed to address you just as Stephen Kirker or Mr. Stephen Kirker. I've had some queries from my listeners as to why Greg Host refers to you as Mr. Stephen Kirker. Am I being um, not, you know, <laughs> addressing you correctly here, or what am um, I doing wrong? It's probably because I'm older than him, and uh, um, actually. Um, and that's why you don't have to call me Mr. Oh, wait, oh, 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 wait, wait, wait. Now you're saying I'm old. No, I'm not. I am not. Um, you can also call me Mr. Kirker then okay. if you really must. Oh, all right, I'll call you Mr. Kirker then. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's over to you now, Mr. Kirker, for some nighttime music. Oh, all right. Yeah, the senior one now takes over through until uh, midnight. Uh, thank you, I think. Uh, Karen, do join her again on Monday night for the Law Report. Anyway, with you until midnight. But first, uh, we have uh, the news at 10.